Hi, thank you for listening to this episode of the Following Films podcast, a movie podcast that takes you on a weekly journey into the world of cinema and into the minds of the talented individuals who shape it. I'm your host, Chris Maynard, and today we're joined by director, writer, and Tucsonan, David A. Flores, to discuss his short film, Likeness. Likeness is about a young woman who works with a digital copy of her mom to investigate the sudden disappearance of her real mom. But before we dive into our conversation with David, I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Bookman's. Bookman's is your go-to independent bookstore, where you can find an extensive selection of books, movies, music, and more. They truly believe in the power of storytelling and in the magic of the cinematic arts. So if you're looking to expand your film, music, or movie collection, be sure to visit your nearest Bookman's. There's always something truly wonderful to discover. Have you followed the following films podcast on Spotify? If you have, well, thank you. If you haven't, head on over to Spotify, search for following films, and give us a follow. It really does help the show. Likeness will be screening at this year's Holly Shorts Festival on the Thriller 2 block, Tuesday, August 15th at 7.30 p.m. at the TCL Chinese Theater. After my interview with David, I'm joined by my seven-year-old son, Jacob, to discuss his favorite film of the year, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. Hello, hello. Hey, David. How are you tonight? Good, good. Uh, Is it... First off, Christopher, Chris, what what would you prefer? I don't care. Either okay. way, man. Yeah, I, I go by Chris generally, but I am not offended if anybody ever calls me Christopher. So no big deal. Sounds good. Just wanted to make sure that we got that. You know. <laughs> of course. Well, you, so then you, you're a David. Is that a David or a Dave? Do you Yeah, care? I think I prefer David. Okay. Um, yeah, I... I, I when I was younger, I used to say Dave, you know, made me sound like a 40 year old, whatever. And now I'm closer to that than ever. So I guess Dave uh, probably is more appropriate. But yeah, I still, David's fine. So that'll work. Cool. Well, <laughs> dude, congratulations on the film, man. You got a fun Thank one you. here. I had a great time Thank with you. this. Um, awesome. And I always love it when I see a new idea. And I, I don't, I could be wrong. But I think you're the first one to the punch on this particular take on AI. Has this been done before, or because I haven't seen it personally? You know, uh, well, first off, thank you, thank you for that. That's uh, I'll take it. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's it's been very strange. Um, this film has weirdly become prophetic in a way, and I wrote it in late 2021 with you know. The intention of just writing a sci-fi and and i would say you know not even two years later uh just you know our real world advancements in ai has become so 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 radical that it's like oh maybe i maybe this like the contents of this film might happen like next year like it's it's crazy so yeah it's it's uh yeah you're right if you would have made this movie three, five years ago, it would have felt like it was much farther in the future than we actually are today. That's for sure. Yeah. So yeah, I'm sure, you know, even rewatching this film three or four years from now, it might feel dated, but for now where we currently are 2023, summer 2023, uh, you know, we're just sort of riding the wave and, and it, it, yeah, I feel like the film is happening at a time where AI is such a big, you know, thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
So hopefully it helps our chances, but yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Well then talk a little bit about just the, um, I don't want to give away the film because it's something that I will watch something, a, a, a short I'm willing to give a chance on almost anything. And if I, I saw kind of had a black mirror esque thing to it, sci-fi playing in that universe. Okay, cool. That seems like a perfect, you know, kind of a quick little twist, a story that can be told in 15 minutes. Shorts are very good for that type of, you know, cor- that sort of storytelling. I, I think that it's something that can, it can work really well. Um, so I went into this completely blind. I, I, you know, was when I read your thing and then I saw, I was like, okay, I'll watch the trailer. Saw like maybe the first 10 images or so. And I was like, okay, cool. I think I get where this is headed. I'm on board. And then I just pulled the plug at that point. And I, I don't think it ruins it though. I, I, Cause this isn't about a twist at the end. It isn't about that. This is a, despite it being a sci-fi thriller thing, this is a really a story that's mostly about humanity. I would say. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think it's a spoiler at all because, uh, you know, in saying that the first 30 seconds, like, <laughs> it's like we want to get, the, we want to get the sci-fi stuff out of the way and like yeah. set up the world. And then it's like the rest of the film, it's like, it's, and that's kind of the things that I do, you know, let me back up a little bit. Like I, the things that, that excite me that, you know, cause I'm, I'm definitely a genre fan. You yeah. Know, same here. Through, but I feel like the best, the best genre, in my opinion, is the uh, using the genre to get the butts in the seats, and then sort of doing a a bait and switch in a way where it's like the real meat and potatoes of it is, you know, you're watching a a, a love story or a character based drama or whatever sure. whatever it is, but the marketing sell is like, ooh, it's a sci fi or it's a horror, um, and I feel like this film likeness is very, very much that, you know, where the outer shell of it is this, you know, grounded sci-fi dealing with AI. But at the end of the day, it is a story about, it's a mother daughter story. It's about, you know, two characters that have an estrangement and have had a lifetime of uh, just, you know, shit. (laughs) I don't know if I can cuss here, but yeah, 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 you're fine. You're fine. Please. Um, you know, and and it's it's them working working through that. And then the genre element is essentially she's talking to one half of a person or not even a person. She's talking to like a ghost of her mom who's yeah. you know, doing its best impersonation of what her real mom could be. Um so yeah, I mean that's it's music to my ears at, at the end of the day. Like that's definitely the goal um and for anyone that does watch the film that's the hope is that you maybe you're coming in for the sci-fi or the thriller element and then hopefully very quickly you you buy into the fact that uh we're we're going to try to do something a little different with that well and you touch on something very briefly here that I think is something that's uh I wish that this was a full length feature because there's a whole thing. I think a film that you could dive into just the idea of what would the projection of social media look like if it was actually embodied? Um, what would that version that is not a reflection of reality, but a reflection of the things that we push forward. And you directly say that in there, this is just what was shown to the world, but how honest would that reflection be? Because it's nobody I know it's their complete self is shown 
through social media. It's uh, so I, I think that especially the genre element that you're playing with here on the thriller side, there there was something there that I was I man I, I really left this wanting more. So I, I think you really tapped into something here. Again, thank you. Not to sound like a broken record <laughs> here, but um, but yeah, no, that's you know that has definitely been one of the mo- more heartwarming elements of doing the film festival circuit so far is. Um, well, people not only responding well to the film, which is great, but but I think the second follow up of is there a feature or man, I wish this was a feature. And so yeah. um, that's great. Like that's awesome data that to me, that's kind of the, you know, mission accomplished type of thing. Um, you know, for, for whatever it's worth, uh, I hope it becomes a feature, too. You know, right. I, we, we, we do have a script ready to go. We have the team ready to go um it just comes down to pesky funding <laughs> which you know at the end of the day uh i'm not rich and True. I don't rich people so um so we'll see i mean you know it was a herculean task just to make the short film so to be 100 percent frank the concept of making a feature version of this like just sounds incredibly daunting to me and and i can't uh I can't do it alone, you know, because no. the short we did a it was a crowdfunding element, and then it, there was self funding as well, just to like get us get us to the finish line. So we'll see. I mean, I think that's kind of my next mission, maybe after the festival circuit, is just to see, you know, what could be done about a feature, if if anything. So, well, I think the two. I, as somebody who goes to a lot of film festivals and always checks out the shorts elements because I always love seeing new filmmakers, new voices, or even sometimes established filmmakers that are doing just they had this one little thing that was a short that they were doing. Um, to me, I think the most exciting films are either ones that are A, like yours, where it's something where, okay, there's something here that needs to be opened up. There's this idea there's this kernel that's it absolutely works on its own great little film but you can feel there's a whole world living outside of the frames that are here so yeah we could expand this then there's the other ones that you really respond to and you go god i hope they don't fuck this up by expanding this world because they had such a perfect beautiful little film that really it doesn't need to be any anything more than 16 minutes long because it's perfect as it is Um, and yours falls into the first category for me personally that's great. Yeah. And I mean, I think that was, that was always the hope, right? You know, I, I, I really wanted to make, uh, you know, cause the way I approached it is I was like, we got one shot <laughs> yeah. at, at this thing. And, and for me, just my personal story, um, you know, I, in, in a lot of ways, I consider this my first time, you know, uh, writer, director, you know, filmmaking. Yeah did do you know shorts and stuff back in film school but i feel like this was my first like real you know having more of a professional sheen to it where you know people got paid it wasn't just <laughs> asking my friend's girlfriend to like star in my movie sure. you know type of thing um so so with that said with us having like an actual budget and and cast and you know crew and all that it 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 really did feel like we got one shot at this let's try to like not only make it the best, but I really wanted to uh, do exactly what you're saying. We're, we're hinting at something more, but not leaning on that so much where it feels like you're watching the first five minutes of the feature. Like I really wanted it to have a beginning, middle end. And it's like, chances are this is 
all that it's going to be. So if that is the case, let's let's try to make it as good as good as it can be. And and then it's kind of out of our hands at that point. So yeah. Well, it, it is it's one of those things where the responses that you're getting, I, I'm not alone in my assessment of this film where there's other people that are clearly saying that they want more of this, you know, because we're greedy American consumers and we just say, yeah. okay, I, I like the thing. Give me more. Okay, where's the feature? When's that coming? There's a strike yeah. going on. Nobody can work right now. Okay, cool. What are you yeah. going to do about that? Yeah. Though? Make no. this happen. So exactly. No, and then and that's again, it's that's been one of the more. It definitely gives me fire, you know, because yeah. certainly coming into the starting the film festival circuit, you just you hope for the best, but you just don't know what's going to happen. And so, yeah, you know, I think I think the fact that people have responded well to it, and 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 yeah, that people are asking for a feature really does uh, light the fire. So that's awesome, man. Yeah. So then what's going to be next for you? Is it going to be another short? Are you looking to do the feature next or what are you thinking is going to be next? Yeah. So funny enough, we actually, we are doing another short. Okay. Um, It's called pit stop. We're going to be shooting next month actually. Nice. Coming up. Um, And this one is it's, it's totally different than likeness. If likeness is more of a sci-fi pit stop is more of a horror, um, but kind of the same thing. Like I said, I, I think what I tend to do is you're coming in for the genre elements, but really, you know, the meat and potatoes is a character based drama. So uh pit stop is about um, two women, a prisoner and a guard. They are, you know, stranded off the side of the road waiting for gas waiting for backup and they're really just struggling to understand each other and survive the night but this also takes place in a sort of dystopian world where you know otherworldly monsters exist we don't really understand how or the whys but we just know that this is it and so uh they have a monster encounter and that really ups the stakes on them needing to survive the night and understand each other and all that so nice man i am on board for that completely Thanks, I'm, yeah. I, yeah i need to i need to see that that sounds fantastic well we're, we're shooting uh next month and it's uh, <laughs> actually a lot of the same team from likeness is coming back like oh good crew um and actually our our actress who was in likeness, uh, Mary Rose Brannick, who played Caitlin, who played this okay. character. Yeah. She's coming back. She's playing the, uh, the prison guard character. So nice. Uh, that'll be cool. Cause it's a little different than what she did in likeness, but uh, you know, that was a big part of it too. Um, you know, our, our, our cast for likeness. I, I'm, I'm still kind of pinching myself that, you know, we got the, the good, man. talent that we did. Yeah. So that was a big part of wanting to do another thing is I, I sort of felt our, um, you know, our, our lead Mary Rose Brannick was going to pop off. And I was like, I think I need to do another one with her before, you know, while she's still answering my text messages. So. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the truth, man? Yeah. No, and I, I, I don't disagree with you. I think you, the perform, because this is one of those, again, those types of genre films that I really respond to where it is performance-based. It's it's a character story more than anything else. And really, if the sci-fi elements aren't there, this movie, it does not hold up if your performances aren't right. You have these two performances and, uh, you know, they're more complicated than they appear, you know, because there is a a distancing that you have to have in one of the portrayals that just if it doesn't 
it has to feel familiar and yet slightly stilted. And it's, I think it's just beautiful. The performance is here. Thank you. No, I mean, I'm, I'm biased, but I completely agree with that. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I think especially um, Virginia Newcomb who plays the mother character, yeah. um, you know, cause I, I think a lot of, uh, uh, you know, and rightly so a lot of the, the praise is going to uh, Mary Rose Brannick for her performance, but I do think Virginia, um, who, by the way, is like a total indie queen, by the way. I don't know if you're familiar with Virginia Newcomb, but I mean, she's, yeah, she's been in like the 824s, uh, Death of Dick Long and the beta test. So, yeah, I, I was, I looked her up after and I was like, I know, I know this face, but I don't know her who is, yeah, and I, I, mean, and I need is, to. Yeah, she is, she is fantastic. So if you haven't watched her other films, highly recommend Death of Dick Long, uh, and the beta test, I believe beta test is on Hulu right now. So yeah, and she, yeah, she's fantastic. The total gem of a human being as well, which is, which is great and rare. Um, but yeah, I mean, her performance though was so great because essentially she's playing two different roles, you know, and, and she's playing like the, 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 the real mother character and then this AI mother. And so the there's just a lot of subtleties in her performance that I think, yeah. uh, you know, upon first or second glance, you might not notice. I mean, you know, I've watched this film so many times, especially <laughs> with our editor. So uh, we just were geeking out at like the little subtleties that of her performance that she brings that uh, it's kind of like good editing, right? Where if, yeah. if, it, if things are working really well, um, you don't notice it. And Virginia is a very generous performer in that where she's not going to she's not necessarily going to take up you know the screen time and, and you know have this you know performative thing but just the fact that um like if if mary rose's performance works well and you buy it it's because of it's Virginia. she's given the room to give that performance exactly. because if she it's the scene partner exactly. um, that, that makes that work and that's something that it's when somebody's playing and it's it's kind of reversed though if you think about it because virginia is not playing the straight role here it appears that way but if you look at it really i think that hers is the far more stilted bizarre performance that has to be pulled off it just doesn't appear that way when you're first no and i and i i one of the directions i gave to virginia is it's like you are constantly assessing yeah um caitlin and mary rose you know what i mean and so like you know as an ai it it quickly you know, like almost instantaneously, you realize like, oh, I need to be the mother. I need to be her mother. I need to like, you know, kind of comfort her and, and, you know, but it's all fake. It's all you just like assessing and reacting and pivoting um, and, and doing it. In, and, and that's what I told her. I was like, you need to do it in a way that she's not even aware that she's being played into, you know, she's coming up with her walls up. And your your goal is to, at some point, the walls have come down, and she doesn't even know why. Like that's what you need to do, and and I feel like she does it. You know? Oh, absolutely. And she does this thing with mirroring whenever they first engage in a conversation. That it's she's picking up her tone immediately and following that, and then taking that new information that she's getting and responding to that. And it's something that you're right; it's subtle. You don't pick up on it the first time you watch it. And I have watched this twice now, and I've gone back and looked at it where you just you see that oh, okay, she's actually 
the tone is exactly what she's being given right now. So if there's a distance, it's not I, it's she, and then it's, oh, okay, she's, and then it's these little things that she's doing. There's some of it's on the screenplay and some of it's in performance and just a beautiful marriage of the two. Yeah. One of the, you know, one of the things that I'm kicking myself about it now, uh, because we did a rehearsal um, before, you know, before the shoot and, and the rehearsal, we, I kind of staged it uh, differently. It, It was a little strange where, um, we basically had a zoom call and I wasn't on camera and I just let them in. And the instruction was like, Hey, once you guys get in, just go, you know, and I'll, I'll watch as if I'm like watching a zoom call that I'm not supposed to be watching, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was cool, you know, and, and they ran, they ran the full script and, you know, and then I came on and, you know, we, we went over some notes or whatever. And then, so we only did that once we did the script run through once. And then afterwards, uh, I came on camera and we sort of hosted a pseudo like therapy session where I was the therapist. Yeah. And it was a therapy session between the characters of Caitlin and then the real life version of the mom. And that was so surreal and, and so amazing because Virginia, like as the real mom was just completely different character than than what you see on screen yeah. you know and 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 i kick myself now because i didn't record that <laughs> you know i just feel like that would have been a cool i don't know supplemental like yeah ever thing um but i really feel like that helped so so much bring into the you know into the actual shoot because in that therapy session um Virginia's character is the polar opposite of what you see on the screen. Like she showboated the hell out of that entire, like she, her character like owned that therapy session and Caitlin's character was like so diminished and, you know, and you could just see all of the messiness just starting to pour out, you know, Um, which again was great for the, for the film because I, you know, I think in the actual film, Caitlin is the one coming in, you know, with the, with the bravado, so to speak. And Virginia is like pivoting and and reacting. So. Absolutely. And I, and I, again, on the second rewatch, you realize that the photos that you're showing in the beginning are telling part of the story. This is not just something that's accidental. When suddenly you feel like you're looking through and it's kind of like, wow, they, they did a good job of picking up these pictures. And then when you're watching it and you just, Oh wait, Oh, I see this the arc that's being built towards here and it's actually it's not overt it's not over the top but i think it's absolutely something that even on a first view you might pick up on a subconscious level because it's all just being laid out there for you absolutely yeah that's great man no that uh, you know I, I not to blab about me in the film but this well is, that's kind of the idea isn't it yeah it's true right yeah no and i appreciate your time so <laughs> <laughs> well dude i I really did respond to the film. I had a great time with it. Um, I know people are going to enjoy this one. I'm excited for people to check it out. Um, congratulations on everything so far. And I'm I'm looking forward um, to the next one that's coming down the pike. That sounds like a lot of fun. So hopefully we can do this again sometime. No, absolutely. Um, I don't know if you're on socials or whatever, but I mean, yeah. Yeah. Definitely follow me on uh, on Instagram. It's uh, David Flores writes. Um, David that- Flores writes. Okay. Got it. Writes as in writer, you know, W R I T E S. I'm also on Twitter. I think that one's D Flores writes. Um, but yeah, I, yeah I, I try to, you know, have at least Instagram and Twitter be like the main hub of, uh, you know, 
what we're doing. It's it's this weird thing where um, I've tried the other social media platforms, and as much as I hate Twitter, I won't start calling it X um, for all the things around it and the owner and all the all these things that I. It's just for some reason it's where the film conversation still is right now. It's the only reason I go there. It's yeah. just that that's where people talk about movies still. So no, yeah, and in. You know, thankfully on my end, it's it's been helpful, uh, you know, since we have been doing the film stuff to use social media as like yeah. a hub of kind of more just promoting like me and the films and, you know, not so much, you know, me tweeting about what I ate for lunch or whatever, you know. So. <laughs> it's never been that for me. Ne- yeah, never. Yeah. No, it's, it's always been. I mean, now that I've been, I, I guess it's been doing this for eight years now. So yeah, so it's always been self-promotion really yeah, at the end no, of the day. I get so. that. I get that. Awesome. Well, David, it was really nice to meet you, man. I appreciate it. Did you, yeah. you had a question? Yeah. Yeah, no. So I, I, I was looking at, uh, at your blog and I, I just wanted to uh, bring up, so it says your, uh, your locations in Marana, Arizona. Is that yeah. still the case? Yeah. Oh, no way. So I'm originally from Tucson. Tucson's my hometown. Really? Wow. Yeah. When, when yeah. did you, when did you live in Tucson? Uh, well, the first uh, 24 years of my life. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I, I moved out, uh, I moved out here in 2011. So, wow. Okay. Yeah. We were here at the same time. So okay. yeah, this okay. is, um, so yeah, this, uh, this show, uh, is sponsored by Bookman's. So you would actually know oh, yeah. what that means. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I go to Tucson, uh, you know, I pretty much my whole family's still in Tucson. So I, I go, you know, multiple times a year uh nice. we're there in july for my son's first birthday so oh wow Congratula- congratulations man that's great thank you thank you yeah that's another little behind the scenes story as we filmed likeness essentially a month before my wife gave birth so it was like wow yeah it was it was pretty crazy so then you know i was sort of like lighting a candle be like okay just give me like these two day shoots don't come <laughs> early um and we were very much in post yeah while my son was a newborn so there was a lot of like 3 a.m emails on my end and watching cuts like delirious and yeah so it was it was pretty crazy well you're still at that point then that yeah you're not getting any sleep at all during those times but there is that sort of those windows that you have at three four o'clock in the morning that you're wide awake all of a sudden so you 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 can find some time to do some shit in the middle of the night no yeah yeah so i mean that's you know the film was very much finished in a delirious uh newborn state on my end so yeah (laughs) (laughs) well congratulations man i'm both the the child and on the film you you got that it's a hell of a year man how are you going to top this Uh, yeah i i kind of have have uh well i don't know you know i went into 2023 and i was like can't talk 2022 but i will say like you know it's different but you know just the fact that we have been getting into festivals has been super awesome um because i've i've talked to enough filmmakers at this point to know like just getting into any festival is like a win um so you know and the fact that we've gotten into the festivals that we have I mean, obviously, Holly Shorts is coming up. That's that's a that's a huge one. So I mean, that's great. Yeah, that's huge. You know, and we just had our LA premiere at uh, LA Shorts, which is another Oscar qualifying festival. Um, And then you know we we actually had our world premiere at the Arizona Film Festival in Tucson in in April. So down at the loft then, or well, I was at the um, screening room maybe then. Yeah, yeah. So I went to Tucson for that. Yeah, we had a world premiere there, and then uh, and then we did Chattanooga Film Festival. In That's June. a great one. Chattanooga yeah. is a great film festival. 
That's Chattanooga fantastic. was amazing. And I wasn't even there in person. I, it was all virtual. But they, they, they whoever curates that festival does a great job. There's always some really interesting stuff that I don't necessarily see in other festivals that comes out of there. Some of my favorite films have come out of, come out of that. So yeah, they do a great job there. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I, I you know, the the shorts block that we were a part of, um, I watched them all and have connected with the other filmmakers. And, you know, we have like a text chain now and it's, it's, it's cool. Yeah. It, it was, you know, and again, I wasn't even there in person and I was like, they did a fantastic job at like building and fostering a uh, filmmaker community. That's awesome, man. Well, congratulations. And it's good to hear about a, uh, a <laughs> and doing well. So glad yeah. to hear that. Today's episode of the Following Films podcast is brought to you by Bookman's. Do you have books, movies, or music gathering dust on your shelves? Give them a new life at Bookman's. They gladly accept trade-ins and buy used media. Clear up some space for new artistic journeys while knowing that your books, movies, and music will find a loving home. On my latest trip to Bookman's, I found a copy of the 1946 film, Beauty and the Beast. This film is an absolute classic and a cinematic treasure that has stood the test of time, captivating audiences for generations now. This film is extraordinary. It weaves a spellbinding tale that touches the heart and ignites your imagination. From the very first frame, the exquisite artistry and attention to detail transport you to a mesmerizing realm of fantasy and wonder. Cocteau's visionary direction infuses each scene with poetic elegance, and it allows the story to unfold in a visually stunning and emotionally resonant manner. One cannot help but be captivated by the production design and breathtaking cinematography. The opulent castle, with its haunting corridors and magical rooms, becomes a character in itself. And this isn't like when people say New York is a character in the film. This is a literal character in the film. The ethereal lighting and intricate set pieces create a visual feast that immerses the audience in a realm of enchantment. What truly sets this rendition of Beauty and the Beast apart is its ability to delve beyond the surface and explore the complexities of human nature. The film delves into themes of love, sacrifice, and the transformative power of acceptance. It reminds us that true beauty lies within and that appearances can be deceiving. The allegorical elements presented throughout the story add depth and thought-provoking layers, making it a timeless tale with universal resonance. Beauty and the Beast, it's nothing short of a triumph when it comes to storytelling and craftsmanship, a true cinematic gem that continues to captivate audiences even after decades. There's very few things you can see that were made 80 plus years ago, or almost 80 years now, I guess, if I'm doing my math correctly, um, that still hold up. That stands as a testament to the power and imagination and the enduring appeal of a tale as old as time. If you seek a film that transports you to a world of magic, look no further than this timeless masterpiece. I cannot recommend the film highly enough and recommend that you go to your local Bookman's to unearth your new favorite film. Remember, Bookman's has your cool covered. Enjoy the rest of the show. Today, we are here with, we're going to take you into the world of cinema. 
<laughs> Thank you, Jacob. Uh, as you can hear, I have a very special co-host tonight. Uh, today, I'm joined by my son, my seven-year-old son, yeah. Jacob. So, Jacob, say hi to the people. Hi, people that are listening right now. Okay, so he wanted to do this podcast because he wanted to talk yeah. about one of his favorite films of the year, which is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I love the Dial of Destiny. But before we get into that movie specifically... Um, Let's talk a little about the Indiana Jones films as a whole. So what would you say is your... Well, well, yeah, the franchise, exactly. So what is your favorite Indiana Jones movie? Raiders of the Lost Ark. Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's the classic. I think that's the one that's pretty well agreed upon is the one that most people go to and say is the best one. What would you say is your second favorite Indiana Jones movie? Indiana Jones and the Doll of... In the Dial of Destiny. That's number two for you. Wow. Okay, so then what's number three? Uh, number three is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. It has lots of fun adventures meant for, like, everybody. And then you get to meet his dad in it, too, which is pretty cool. His actual dad? Well, no. Remember, there's the guy that plays his dad. The guy who says, you could have mailed it to the Mox Brothers. That guy? It's Sean Connery. He's the uh, Scottish guy that plays his dad, the guy yeah. with the beard. Yeah, that was his pop. Okay, so then I guess then the last movie, the one that you like the least, is Temple of Doom. Is that yeah. correct? Yes. I, I don't. I haven't seen one scene. Oh, you watched a little bit. Remember, that's the one that starts with Anything Goes. Why? Do you remember that? It has the big musical number in the beginning of it? Ooh, I do love that part. I've watched it all. Yeah. Okay, well then let's talk a little bit about Dial of Destiny. So, what is it that you liked so much about Dial of Destiny? It just has perfect action adventures, and my favorite cutout scene. Spoiler alert. That's okay. The movie's been out for a while, so I think anybody that's listening to this podcast has already seen it, um, and the movie's going to be leaving theaters pretty soon now, so I think you can have a Pack spoiler. Pack movie. Yeah, so what, what is your favorite part? You can spoil it. Not a big deal. Scene, everybody. What do you mean a cutout scene? Oh, oh, you're talking about the part that was in the trailer that didn't make it into the movie? Yeah, about the boulder scene. Why would they cut out the boulder scene? It's num it's called number one it from a YouTuber they say the boulder scene from Ladies of the Lost Ark is the best action adventure for everybody. Yeah, that's one of uh, the most iconic moments from any of the Indiana Jones films. It has been in Rugrats, everybody. <laughs> the movie. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and in the trailer for it, you do see the boulder, which is a callback to the Raiders of the Lost Ark, but it didn't make it. And that happens all the time. There's a couple reasons. Um, one, because they don't have enough time to do it, and they don't have like enough film tape for it to put or it Or it was something that it just wasn't necessary, that they decided that movie was running long, and it was something they could cut out. Or it was something that was a shot just for the trailer, and they had no intention of ever putting it in the movie. That happens too sometimes. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Who could skip the boulder scene? I don't know. It just it happens from time to time. I don't know about this one specifically. I haven't looked into it, but... I'm sure there's somebody out there who has an idea of why it was cut out. What's your favorite movie, Indiana Jones movie? My favorite? Um, I would say my favorite is either Raiders of the Lost Ark or The Last Crusade. Um, I really have a soft spot for The Last Crusade. I think River Phoenix is great in it. The opening is 
near perfect. I think it has a wonderful ending. It's just uh, the interplay with Sean Connery and with Dr. Jones, Harrison Ford is really good. It's just one of my favorites. The most Indiana Jones of all the Indiana, Indiana Jones films. But uh, like you, I also really liked Dial of Destiny quite a bit. I enjoyed it a lot more than a lot of people, I think, um, where, yeah, I do think it's right in the middle of the movies. I think it's probably the third best in my personal opinion. It's but then again, I, I also think that, uh, what was that? I don't think I did my full list or not, but the Temple of Doom I'd put in last place and uh, Crystal Skull I'd put in fourth place. And the reason I like Crystal Skull is because of you, buddy. Uh, yeah, because you got me to rewatch that movie and I hadn't seen it since I saw it in the movie theater. And then you wanted to watch it and kept rewatching it. And it made me appreciate a lot of the things in there. Like there's that motorcycle chase in it which is probably one of the best sequences, action sequences in any of the Indiana hey, Jones films. I feel like I should rewatch Indiana Jones and uh, Crystal Skull. Hey, what's your favorite one? My favorite one? I just told you. Oh, no, I mean the audience people. <laughs> oh, well, they can't talk back to us right now, but they, they can. Uh, we'll put a poll in the podcast because if you look, if you're listening to this in Spotify, you can access the polls and there'll be a poll where you can give feedback and go ahead and tell us what your favorite Indiana Jones film is. Did we get the rankings right? Did we get them wrong? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Just go ahead and let us know in the poll. And, yep, we'll both be there. Dad will tell me. Bobis. I will. I'll tell you what they say. So was there anything else that you wanted to talk about with the Dial of Destiny? Anything that you liked about it? Did you like the acting, the special effects, the music? No, well, what stood up? You like, the, you like John Williams a lot, don't you? I'm going to miss him. Well, of course. Yeah, I mean, the it, as cheesy as it might sound, you know, John Williams music, it's been there my whole life. So there's a lot of my fondest memories have uh, John Williams music uh, rolling through the background of them. You know, it's the reason that I love movies. A lot of the action spectacle, the big movies of the 70s and 80s, he was involved in all that early Spielberg and Lucas stuff. He was the a huge part of why those movies were. Star Wars, that's right. Yeah, I loved and, Star Wars when I was a kid. Well, guys, I'll tell you something. They even added in, in Rugrats in the first opening scene. Okay, note to self. Who can forget Raiders of the Lost Ark original motion picture soundtrack? And please, if you do have, like, this sort of, like, robot device that you can name specific names and change its voice... Mine is called Ziggy, and you can make a sound track, and it can be as long as you like. In fact, it can be one month long. Well, what, what you're talking about is building a playlist through Amazon Alexa, and your Alexa answers to the name Ziggy, and you have a lot of John Williams' music on your playlist, and it's uh, five hours long currently, your playlist, and you're just adding to it every day. And my brother is 23 hours, everybody. That's right. So... Is there anything else that you wanted to say about Dial of Destiny? Hmm. Uh, I do love the boat chase. <gasps> Wait, I get it. It's from the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. The boat chase is in the Last Crusade. When um, the Dial of Destiny, the big thing in that, probably the standout action sequences, there's that plane that they fly in. That yeah. They, they go back in time. I like that one. And then when they go back to the battle at Syracuse, did you like that part? Medieval time, and like, cool thing is that like in the medieval times. So like, am I getting a little too close to the speaker? No, Say you're okay. yes or no. 
You're, you're fine. You're fine, buddy. Okay, thank you. So? So, like, it, it's like the airplane. I can't believe they go back to the Dark Ages. Wow. Sadly, they didn't see that guy wearing a mask. Wong, wong, wong. <laughs> and it also has the plague. So that means he can kill you instantly in horror games. I have heard of him in horror games. That's why I wanted to learn about it in the future. Any questions? Okay. Well, let, let's go ahead and get back on track, buddy. Okay. Kind of went off on a tangent there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. I think maybe we need to cut down on the Roblox with you saying oof at the end of every sentence. What do you think about that? No, I meant like I went off the rails. Oh, oof. yeah. Yeah. Oof. You went off the rails. Okay. Well, cool. Well, I think that about wraps up all we have to say about Dial of Destiny. Yeah. So thank you for sitting down with me today, Jakey. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, you're welcome. And hey, let's talk about the other movies. Oh, you want to keep going for a little bit? Talk about some of the other movies? What, what do you want to talk about, buddy? What other movies? Um, pretty much the strange thing is they never include elevators. Never include elevators in what? Well, when did they take place? 1980. No. 1929. Yeah, that's kind of when the time period starts, I think, in the 20s and 30s. Um, The time period period starts like in 1902. Wait, wait, listen, buddy, listen. And then where is he going to? In all these movies, he's going to ancient ruins for the most part, right? Um, So were there elevators in like ancient Egypt? No, no. Fine, yeah, no <laughs> elevators in there, but now today, they is Ka- the city of Cairo. Oh, yeah, There's the city one, of Cairo is very modern, but one, not the part he went to well, when he yeah. went there. Well, there's, well, half of the city is. The other part, you can go back in time, sort of. <laughs> sort of, yeah. To the early days, like many, 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 many moons ago. Do you know when you uh, go to Cairo... And you look at the pyramids. If you look at it from the other angle, the reverse angle, you can see all the skyscrapers and stuff in the background from right there. You can see downtown Cairo from the pyramids. And that's cool. That's going to be a better picture for a photographer out there. So if you're like anyone in your family goes to Cairo and they're a photographer, please tell them before they go. Okay. All right, buddy. Well, thank you for taking the time today. I appreciate it. Say thank you to the people. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Time enough to figure you out. Time enough to write this down. Wish me luck. Give me hope.
Twitch crack.